Lay your burden down, every care you carry, and come to the table of grace, for there is mercy. Come just as you are, we are all unworthy to enter the presence of God, for He is only lift up your heart, lift up your hands, fall on your knees and pray for the Good morning, I'm Phil Jackson, one of the elders here at Preston Crest. We welcome you to our time of worship. It's good to see all of you here. Thank you for those who are joining us through streaming. We are all here worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Would like to remind everyone to check in, please. Uh, you see the number here, 469-976-5331. Just type check in. To check in, you'll get a digital copy of the bulletin. Very helpful to have this information. And be sure to check the bulletin for lots of good information. One of those items is uh, to save the date for our 50th anniversary celebration on March the 27th. Put this date on your calendar. Plans are being made to celebrate 50 years of being in this place. Um, and we are here certainly 
because of him. I noticed in the, in the bulletin we are asking for a special, there's going to be a special cookbook, so send in those recipes. Uh, we're also looking for pictures uh, uh, of, of the history of Preston Crest, and if you have those, the instructions are in the bulletin to, to send those in. It'll be a great event. As we begin our worship, let's uh, join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we just sang here in this place, which helps us realize that you are here with us as you have been over the last 50 years. We pray now for our congregation, her mission, her vision, her work, most of all, her people. Be with those of us who are in the midst of struggle, whether it be from sickness, relationship issues, financial problems, or a loss of, of spirit. Let those find your comfort and peace and even your joy in their struggles. And then, Lord, be with those of us who are in good times, that we may not lose sight of you who provide us all our blessings. And be with us now as we join those from the past and the future, from those all over the globe as we glorify your name. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Phil? Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Oh, worship the King of
As we enter into our time of communion this morning, we're going to sing one more song. And this song may be new to some of you, maybe not so new to others. It's called All to Us. And it is just perfect for where we are right now as a church and also where we are right now in this assembly this morning. After we sing that song, Patrick Sutton is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. Let's sing. Precious
morning. I, I ran across this expression that I thought was really great, and forgive me if you've already heard this. I'm usually the last to catch on to things, and I think I was the last person to get on church teams. So, but it, it was the expression was called "be" was called "be the moon." So the moon just by itself is a cold, dark, lifeless thing. But that's not what we see, is it? We see the reflection of the sun on its face. Without Jesus, we're like the moon. We're dark and cold and lifeless. We should reflect the sun, Jesus our Savior, on our face. And I've seen this church provide pumpkin-fest candy and games, Thanksgiving meals and Christmas presents to, to people that didn't have a whole lot. I've seen our children write cards to the sick with lots of heart stickers on them to bring them a little bit of joy. I've, I've seen our youth group hang sheetrock in flooded Houston houses in 100-degree heat so that they might have... Um, they might have a, 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 a home again. I've seen us get on planes for mission trips to, to Guatemala to build shelters, to provide medical help, to, to bring a little bit of hope. I've seen us help foreign students learn English by reading to them that Jesus loves them. Matthew 5:16. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gave his life on his cross, and by his love and by his grace, we can light up the darkness. We can be the moon. Let's pray. As we take this bread, let us remember your words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. We are not defined by our mistakes, but by, but by your victory. In his name we pray, amen. As the mountains surround
And let's, let's pray. This cup is your blood shared for us. Let us focus on you and live our lives with love for love for one another. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Patrick, where's Patrick? Patrick, thank you for that. Yeah. It's good to be reminded of how Jesus reflects his love and grace off of us into the world. And, and that is, in fact, happening, and that's not a proud thing to do. He said, let your light shine, right? That people will glorify the Father through your good works. And that's one of the things we do at this point in the service. Before I say any more, if you want to give this morning, you can give through the box out in the foyer, drop check money in there. You can give online through our website or through church teams. But there are so many of these good works Patrick was mentioning that are going on. One that is happening right now every Sunday night here is Leadership Training for Christ, LTC. Uh, Young men, young women, children, um, and, and our volunteers are gathering to study God's Word, are gathering to do projects to help the community, are gathering to work on all sorts of things for this event that's going to happen on Easter weekend. But the event really is, is the sideline. The main stuff is what's going on every Sunday night. And I'm thankful for... Adults and young people that are showing up to help uh, serve and teach. And I'm thankful for those kids and their open hearts as they grow as, as young disciples of Jesus. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about LTC here in a moment. Let's just pray. Uh, Jesus, we are thankful that you allow us to reflect your love into the world. And I ask right now in your name that all of the glory will go to you. It's not for us. Um, if we do anything good, it's because... Uh, We've been filled with your spirit. And I pray that every time someone is fed or a young person hears the gospel or an old person hears the gospel or a good work is done or a mission trip is taken to another place, I just pray that you are the one who receives the glory for that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Church. I'm Terry Brantley, one of the deacons here at Preston Crest Church of Christ. Thank you for supporting Leadership Training for Christ. Each year, 70 to 80 of our 3rd through 12th graders participate in LTC. Our goal for each participant is to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Each year, we study a different book of the Bible on Sunday night in preparation for Bible Bowl. In addition to Bible study, LTC is a great way to help children and teens discover their talents and use them to serve God and others. 
LTC participants may register for a variety of events such as puppets, drama, art, chorus, song leading, service, bulletin boards, and teaching. Through LTC, we develop friendships, make great memories, and have a lot of fun. Thank you again for supporting LTC and our future leaders. And church, thank you for your generosity. Well, church, I don't know if you have heard or not, but we're in our 50th year this year. So we are in our 50th year. And part of our celebration, part of our, 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 our time in this 50th year, we're going we're gonna to put together a special custom cookbook featuring favorite recipes from all of our members, or those, at least those of you that submit recipes, and throughout, throughout the church's past 50 years. This, is, this, this applies to men, women, kids, girls, guys, teens, children. If you have a favorite recipe that you would like to submit, please do so. And please do so by January 30th. That is the cutoff. Next Sunday is the cutoff for submitting your favorite recipe. Share this information with your friends that are even former Preston Crest members. They're part of our 50 years here. So it would be great to, uh, to see your recipe in that, in that cookbook and what a treasure this thing is going to be for years to come. Our family has got a family cookbook. My, my mother's maiden name was Merriman. We have a Merriman cookbook. And uh, we are constantly going back through there. And you're going to see, we, we see names of who has submitted recipes. So this is just a special, special thing. And it is a, a part of our legacy here is, is how we fellowship, how we share meals with each other. So submit those recipes, please, by next Sunday. And thank you for helping us make this cookbook a very special success. Let's stand, church. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we're going to sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come back and share with us this morning. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise just as a continuation of that PSA about the cookbook. I'm excited about the cookbook because I've seen good stuff rolling in already. Good recipes. It's not just for the ladies. 
guys. I had Josh Rivas come up to me at first service, and he is going to submit his family's from San Antonio. They have this giant smoker that they pull behind their truck and host events, and he's going to provide some sort of smoked brisket recipe or something. So let's see some of that too. Uh, amen. Let's see some smoked meats recipes because I know we have some, some incredibly gifted guys here in terms of not just smoking but other, other cooking as well. We are starting a series today on the church. And I was thinking this week about some of my experiences. One is we planned for years to plant this church in Rio, Brazil, and work together with the team. Uh, these are some of our closest friends to this day that went with us. And so we get there, and we're learning Portuguese, and we're praying over the city. And God, where do you want us to plant this church in this city of, of 12 million people? It's like Houston and Dallas combined. Uh, kind of a big spot there. And early on, I think we had met publicly twice and so the Portuguese, super rusty, and just still getting our sea legs and all of that stuff. But, but there had been an older couple that had come to both of our services, Terezinha, little Teresa, and Gomez. And in fact, I had gone to the hospital. Her ex-husband was dying, and so I had gone with her to visit. She wanted me to visit and pray for him, so I did that. And right there in that first two-week period, I get this phone call from her. It was our day off. I was at home, sitting around, and she said, he passed away. Will you come to the funeral? It's this afternoon. So it was in just a couple hours. And I said, sure. So we got dressed up and got in the car, and, and this is before GPS, so we're trying to find our way to this other part of the city, and, and we did. We showed up a little bit late, but we made it there, and this chapel was, was really crowded, and, and there he was, her ex, in a in a in a coffin there in the middle of the chapel. And people were kind of milling around talking. And, and Tedezina clapped her hands and said, hey, I want everyone's attention. In just a moment, uh, my pastor, Pastor Wesley, that's what they call me down there, my pastor Wesley is going to share some words. And hey, I'm not calling myself pastor. She was calling me pastor, okay? That was basically my worst nightmare come to reality. Um, my Portuguese was just bad at that point, and I had no idea what the customs or the culture around a Brazilian funeral service were. I had not prepared for this. This is an impromptu funeral, and I did not remember her ex's name. So there were a variety of things working against me, and I scrambled, and I found some older gentleman who had who had his Bible with him. And so I grabbed that Bible and I stood in front of that group and I read Psalm 23. And I prayed. That was all I knew to do. But I'll tell you this. It was a moment for me. The, the good side of that was, wow, she thinks of me as her minister, and she thinks of this brand new fledgling church led by these folks who barely speak Portuguese. We are her church. And it dawned on me this dream that really wasn't our dream. It was a dream that Jesus had and planted in our hearts. This dream wasn't just a dream anymore. It was happening in real time. And yes, it was scary. 
And yes, it was beautiful. We're going to talk about the church for the next few weeks. Um, And I'm going to tell you, I'm a little biased on this, but I believe (laughs) there is no organization in history that has had a greater impact on people's lives for good. And yeah, you can talk about some bad things that have been done in the name of Jesus. But we're going to talk about in history, I don't think there's been an organization that's done this much good in as many places as the church of Jesus. Think about this for a second. If you're like, I don't, I don't know about that. Think about in the city of Dallas, how many of our hospitals were started by the church? There are, I think, 14 hospitals, clinics in the Baylor system started by the Baptist church. There are 13 Methodist hospitals around the city. There are a bunch of presbys, which is now Texas Health Resources, right? There are even, uh, there are Catholic hospitals, St. Luke's and St. This. And there are even, I, I saw this morning, I was just curious, there are even veterinary hospitals that were started by churches in the city of Dallas and, and Fort Worth. And I don't have an answer to this. It's not great to have this in your sermon intro when you don't actually know. But I, I'm just guessing, if you were to think, what percentage of orphanages in Africa were started by churches, were started by Christian groups. I don't know the number. I would guess it's north of 80. It might be north of 90%. It's the church fueled by how Jesus loved them and brought them together that's out on his mission. So yeah, if you want to find fault and point out failure, do that. Or you can acknowledge the ubiquitous, the ever-present, look around at what has been started and what is blessing in the name of Jesus. And here we are, a continuation of this movement that was started so many years ago. So we're going to talk specifically over the next few weeks about the local church, which by the way, the majority of the New Testament was written to local churches, was written to the church in Philippi, the church in Rome, the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, the church in Laodicea. I mean, these are local churches that are addressed and their specific issues and problems and limitations and successes. All of that comes up in this literature that we call the New Testament. So we're going to be talking about the local church a lot because we, Preston Crest, are a local church. And we want to rediscover The beauty, yeah, the beauty of the local church. We want to rediscover the purposes that our Lord has for us. And and we don't want to settle for things that we can do on our own. We want to be called into things that we can only do if the Lord is part of it, right? And we want to get back to this idea of belonging. Because the local church was this place where Jesus called people to belong. Repent, turn, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Think about this. For the forgiveness of your sins. For the forgiveness of your sins, so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I like this part. The promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's for all who are far off whom everyone, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And I want you to think about that. Um, They were to repent, which means you need to decide to turn from this life of sin and be baptized 
in the name of the one that you had crucified weeks earlier, and that in this recognition of Jesus as Lord, you will find your redemption. And you will welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into your lives. And that last bit, as I said, verse 39, it's not just for them. It's not just for their kids. It's for people in North Dallas in the year 2022. It's for those who are far off. That's us. So this is our story. I like the way Luke includes us in this story of the beginnings of the church. About 3,000 people were baptized in the name of Jesus on that day. And suddenly, you've got the first local church. You've got Christ's church in Jerusalem that suddenly bursts onto the scene. Now, the word church in the original language is ecclesia. It means the gathering of those summoned. The gathering of those summoned. It's those who answered yes to God's RSVP. And his RSVP is clearly, as as Luke writes there, it's for everyone. And so we've got this gathering. These people who've been moved from one kingdom into another kingdom. Who've been transported from darkness into light. It's these folks who, who have moved from selfishness and sin to holiness and and service in the world, and they aren't alone. They are the gathering of those summoned. Summoned by who? Summoned by God. In a minute, we're going to get to see, in verses 41 to 47, the DNA of the church. And before we do that, I just want to share with you four kind of distorted views, common misconceptions that I think affect us even to a lot of us today. And there's some truth, let me say this, some truth in each one of these distortions, but they are woefully incomplete. There is a view of the church as a filling station, <laughs> all right? Um, Man, life is hard. I drag myself here. I'm on empty. The emotional tank is empty. And I come in here for some encouragement to get filled up and to move into another week with a tank full of gas. Is that wrong? Well, there's something to it. It's incomplete, though. It's incomplete. There's, There's a lot more than that. Another distorted view is the church as a movie theater. Like it's a place you go for an hour or two of escape because, you know, life is hard. (laughs) Get to church, little escape from the real world. And I leave with a bounce in my step, feeling a little bit better about things. Third view is the church as a pharmacy. It's a place where you get your prescription filled to help you handle the pain. Church is primarily a place of of therapy for you. View four would be the church. This is common these days, especially here in our parts. The church as a mega store, you know, a Target or Walmart or Best Buy box store. Uh, It's a place that offers the very best products and a safe and clean environment um, it's, it's, it's a one-stop shop, quality programming for you, for your kids. And you, ch- you kind of choose a church. 
as a consumer would choose where to shop. You find the one that offers the best product. It's convenient to your house. Um, There's good value there, you know. But the problem with this view and with those other views is you're not going to find them in the Bible, right? And the other problem is that each of those views, while it contains perhaps a nugget or two of truth, it makes church about me, It makes church about entertain me, fill my tank, provide good programs for me and my people, take away my pain, inspire me, good old American consumerism, you know? And obviously, that is a strong and a very persuasive Um, way of thinking in our culture, but those images tend to produce Christians who are always kind of looking for the best deal, and it also produces Christians who are like perpetually dissatisfied. Like, I wonder if I'm missing out on something at this church. I wonder if there's a better offer over, I wonder if I can upgrade if I go over here. And so you get this kind of dynamic that is not at all the dream that Jesus had for us and for his church from the beginning. And so right after all of this, in Acts chapter 2, all of these people baptized in the name of Jesus, you've got this large, brand new church. Um, We get this snapshot of what was so just beautiful about the church, and it still is today. So let's pick up what Luke shares with us about what was happening. Try to just envision this in your mind's eye. So those who received his word were baptized. Added that day uh, were about 3,000 souls. That's a lot of folks. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. <clears throat> and as I kind of scroll that in my mind, and, and I just try to envision this scene, I just, I, I just kind of am like, wow, that's amazing. That really happened. Those are, those are our beginnings right there. I mean, that first church, it, it, it captures so much of, of what the church is to be and how it, it did keep growing. I mean, here we are. You know, it, it definitely kept growing. And, you know, I think a lot of folks in this world have this idea, as we just kind of get the overall picture of what the church was like, I think a lot of people have this idea today that the church is a place for the self-righteous for squeaky clean people who have their lives all together or at least act like that on Sunday. Is that what's going on here? I mean, they have just mass repented of their sins. Like, there has been, I don't even know how they had time in the day to do all of this. 
There had to be multiple baptismal sites happening at the same time because to have 3,000 people repenting and confessing of sins and going into the waters being baptized in the name of Jesus I mean these were not squeaky clean people who had their lives all together. These are people who for starters we don't know all the particulars of all of their sins probably a lot of stuff we struggle with today but for starters they had aided and abetted in the murder of the son of God. So they were confessing that, among other things, I'm sure. And then as you get this picture, what did that look like? I want you to picture it, it is incredibly diverse. I mean, that's a word that gets used a lot these days. But as you picture in your mind's eye that original church, incredibly diverse. Luke has mentioned, listening to the preaching of Peter, there were at least 14 different nations that were, you know, pilgrims from all over the empire had come together in Jerusalem. So all kinds of ethnicities and skin tones and languages. And you can hear in that gathering of the church different accents of different people. That's the first church. That's Jesus' dream being birthed into the world. Um, by the way, I had this, uh, I had this friend, a Chinese friend of mine last week was telling me, you know, in China, he said, the Communist Party tries to diminish the church and, and hold the church back. And, and one of the things that they communicate constantly is the church is Western. It's an American thing. Couldn't be further from the truth. In Luke chapter, in Acts chapter 2, um, verse 9, Luke tells us of all of these different nationalities that were present, he says there were people from Asia that were there. Guess who wasn't there? Texans. <laughs> Americans weren't there. So with all due respect, this is not a Western thing. This is a God thing, and, and it captured all places within the Roman world at that time. And another thing we know in this diversity is that there was great diversity in terms of income levels. So, yeah, middle class people, rich people, poor people, we know that because immediately there were financial needs. There were like people who couldn't eat unless they got some help. And so, the, yeah, there was some, let's liquidate some property here. Let's free up some money so that we can get people fed, so that we can take care of people. So it was diverse in terms of, of like income levels, and so, I just also, I was thinking this week, 3,000 more or less. You've got a picture in that scene as well. You've got old, you've got young, you've got some sweet, you know, special needs people. You've got, it, it was just so incredibly diverse, this first church. So, in the church, each person found a place to belong, that place for which their heart had always longed. This was home. Now let's just recognize for the sake of us here at Preston Crest, some of those values that we see from the beginning in the early church and which with all humility, I think we see today in Christ's church here. One of them is the church welcomed all who had given their lives to Jesus so many people, verse 41, just so many people coming in who were added to the church and became part of the family of God. The church held in high esteem. It, it, Luke says they were devoted to. 
They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. We would call this the Bible. The apostles wrote our New Testament for us, for the most part. So the Bible, they were devoted to Scripture. They were devoted to fellowship. And obviously they enjoyed eating together. I don't know if they had a cookbook, but they were eating all the time. Even in that first few verses we read about them. And they were devoted to prayer. They prayed together. They prayed for each other. The church believed in the power of God in their midst, verse 43. I mean, yes, they saw signs and wonders through the apostles, but we see amazing things, evidences of the power of God even today as we're able to touch lives in Guatemala or Ghana or Greece or we also have non-G countries that we do mission work in as well, but those just come to mind. But so much work that's being done, the power of God. Um, Church members were pooling their resources to help the needs of members. That's happening all the time here at Preston Crest. Uh, The church was gathering all the time. I mean, they continued to meet together. They weren't just, you know, showing up once in a while. They were were doing life together. And we see that they were worshiping uh, regularly, you know, praising God. That was part of it. We're going to worship together, verse 47. Uh, They were well regarded by people outside the church. Now, I don't know that everybody loved everything about what was going on there. But there was just a held in high esteem. Like that group, uh, there's something good there. Something good's happening there with those folks. And then they grew, of course. They grew. Um, And over the last 50 years, this church has grown as well. And praise God for that. So what is happening with this church in Acts chapter 2? And all glory to God Some of those things, many of those things, maybe all of those things are happening here among us as well in North Dallas. And and so just to kind of put some flesh on this story, I wanted to tell you a story about a friend of mine named Jill. And her story, at least when I got to know her, started probably 25 years ago. She was from Tennessee, but she had moved to Oklahoma to become a master's degree student in architecture at OU. So she knew nobody there. But there she was on this campus doing her master's degree work. And she was not a Christian. She was not a believer. But we had, I was campus minister. We had this group, this, this church, this, this, this gathering of people, uh, of young students. who We had a facility there, just a house on the east side of campus. And we had a sand volleyball pit. And she saw us playing volleyball, not me, but other people playing volleyball. And she thought, hey, can I join in? Of course you can join in. And so she came back another day and another day and another day. She let us know, I'm not interested in Christianity. I'm not a believer in the Bible. I don't need that stuff. We're like, okay, well, you're welcome to come and play volleyball with us. And then over time... She started showing up for devotionals, for worship services. She started showing up in our little packed dorm Bible studies on Wednesday nights. Uh, She would go on a retreat with us or a trip with us. And and it was just kind of cool as she plugged in and got connected. And I remember a trip we took one spring to Tallahassee, Florida, to Florida State University for a big conference down there. We got in these vans, and we drove from Norman all the way down to to Florida. And I mean, one thing I remember about this, kind of a sideline, but one thing I remember about this trip is one of my interns got one of the vans stuck in a parking garage. Like it said, you know, you can't be over this height. And I guess the van was. So, 
got stuck under this concrete roof and we had to like literally push it out from under and Brad did not get to drive that van anymore on that trip. Um, But the best memory was one night we were crammed into this dorm room. We were staying in the dorms there on campus, like 25 of us in this dorm room. And we had the lights off and we were just, we were just like singing and praying and people were sharing things and everything. And I remember her emotion choked voice as Jill began to share from her heart what she had seen and observed in that last year since she started playing volleyball with us. And she confessed and kind of laughed. She said, I thought you guys were kind of fake, to be honest, from the beginning. It was like too happy, too huggy. This can't be real. And she said, then the more time I spent around you guys, I could tell, no, it was real. You guys really love each other. And the thing that's different about this group and every other group is it's Jesus. That's who's brought you, that's, that's why you're together, this diverse group of people here on the campus. That's what's made the difference. And she said, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And I want to be baptized tonight. It's pretty cool. So we flipped on the lights and there were tears and there were hugs and then we loaded up into the the van. I don't remember if it was one with a dense ceiling or whatever, but we drove down to the Best Western down the street and I talked the night manager into letting us use the pool and she was baptized into Christ. And I could tell you more about her. I mean, there's beautiful things that have happened. And she married a member of our group, and they're off in Colorado and doing great things. But, but what I would tell you is this. She was converted because of the church, right? She found a place to belong there. She experienced the power of of God there. She experienced the reality of the gospel there. And yeah, we studied the Bible together, okay? But she was converted because of the church. And it was there that she found her place to belong. And this morning, you can find your place to belong as well. That RSVP is out there. God invites all people to find their redemption in Jesus and to be added to his family, to this gathering, to the church. And so this morning, if you're ready to confess your sins, repent, turn away, and come to Jesus, be baptized into Jesus, you can do that. Maybe you just need the prayers of this family this morning. Let's give him all the glory as we stand together and worship. We place you on the highest place for
Christ loves his church. We love Christ. Thank you, Gordon, for that introduction to uh, a series on, on the church. We hope to see everyone back tonight um, as Jacob leads us in a study of Noah. As uh, we heard about LTC, they're studying Genesis, and so are the adults uh, in this room. And so we want to join uh, with that. I want to say a, uh, a quick prayer. Uh, we have Trent Pope who is asking for prayers for his brother. And so let's, uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as I just mentioned, you love your church. We're all here people, Lord, and we care for each other. And so I pray for, for the Pope family and dealing with uh, the issues that, that they have. Lord, I am not fully aware of, of what they are right now. We know that you are. And we ask for your care and comfort on this family and for your direction that your spirit may be strong in their hearts. Lord, as a church, help us to help, uh, help each other. Lord, I, <laughs> I look at the scripture that, that Gordon read to us and it talked about wonders and signs and then of the apostles. And, and uh, the next verse, Lord, was that all the people had everything in common, that they were unified. Perhaps that's the wonders and signs, Lord, that people can see the unity that we have and our care and love for each other. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Here is our take-home verse. It's a little lengthy, so join me on the last sentence of it. Ephesians 2, 19, 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Join with me in this last sentence. In him, you are also all being built together into a dwelling place for God and by the Spirit. Go in the love and peace of God.